am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Now, before you sit down, give God one more big praise. Come on, somebody. Lord, we exalt you and magnify you. Amen. Well, Happy New You. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are fresh and new. Amen. Fresh and new. Fresh and new. That's, that's the life that God has for you. That's the, that's the life that Jesus came to bring you into. That's the thing that uh, the Spirit is trying to infuse you with the strength to connect to is a fresh and new life. The old things have passed away. 2009 is over. Behold, all things are 2010. Here we go. We got a new fresh start. We got, we got a, a new day. What, what are you entering into? What, where are we going to go? This anointing that's on our life has a purpose. What's it for? What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to do, uh, whatever I can. No, how about we, we tap into God and we do exactly what He has called and created us to do. And that it begins with knowing God. You know, just don't do any good to have a whole bunch of power and don't know what to do with it. Don't know how to operate it. And it doesn't, you know, it's like the wisdom, but no relationship. You know, the, the anointing of God isn't to empower you to do, it's to position you to know. God wants you to understand incredible relationship and intimacy with Him. There is a, there is a place where the Spirit of God is taking you, and I guarantee you it will be right into the presence of God. God is mostly concerned with your relationship. We're not building ministry here. You know, it was pretty cool last night. I don't know if there was an empty chair in here last night. The place was full, and we had the baptismal tank out, and, and, and you know, some of the guys from the boys' ranch were here getting baptized, and some of the people in the body. It's really awesome. Awesome. And, 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 you know, afterwards, different statements are made about the ministry. Man, it's about relationship with God. Man, we just want to know God. I just, you know, I, I, just, I just need God in my life more, more, than, more than anything else. And to be honest with you, more than I need you, I need God. Right? I, I, just, I just need, I need His presence in my life. I've lived life, so of you, without Him, that ain't no good. Right. And with him, all of a sudden, everything begins to change. See, Micah had it right in chapter six, verse eight. I think it says he has shown you, O man, what is good to love mercy, to do justly and to walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, O man, what is good. Everybody say good. You you know, the life that that God's coming to lead you into. It's a good life. It's got a good result. It has a, it has a good impact, a good effect on you. If life isn't going good, you might wonder if maybe you aren't doing it God's way. He has shown you, man, what's good. Walk humbly with God. Well, Amos 3, 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? So to walk with God, you gotta get into agreement with God. And there are areas of our life where I am positive that the result that we are experiencing has nothing to do with God. Well, let's change it. Let's find out where we got out of alignment with God and reconnect and walk in agreement with His Word. Why settle for something less than God's best in your life? Why settle for an experience separated from God, but just, you know, just enough covering that you feel protected? 
or safe or be, maybe better about yourself. I know a lot of people who use church just to go, you know, just one, 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 one time every couple of weeks just make me feel a little bit better about my nasty self. Well, you don't want to feel better. You, you, want, to, you want to have real relationship with God. Well, why do so many people settle for something that is so far from what God intended? Well, because what God intended attracts not only, you know, when you live right, upright before God, that attracts the presence of God. But can I tell you what the presence of God attracts? Trouble. Opposition. Warfare. Hello, somebody. You know, we don't like that stuff. We, we just gotta, we, you know, we want to be left alone. We want life to be easy. We're looking for comfort. We're Americans, bless God. You know, you go, go to some other nation of the world. You know, isn't it crazy? You get off in the Philippines and they'll, they'll walk for 18 miles to come sit into a service and, and hear somebody preach. And if you have church that's less than four hours, they're going to be upset. Well, they walked a long ways to get there. Here we are. We come in. We got 40 minutes to keep you happy. You know, go too long and we're going to start, you know, well, we're all about comfort. Maybe we ought to get born again. Just, just a thought. Maybe we ought to toughen up. Look at your neighbor and say, toughen up, buttercup. Maybe it's time to get the big boy pants on, take the floaties off, head down to the deep end of the pool. You know, and really connect with God in a way that, that's transformational. I believe that anything less than transformational isn't God's plan. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing. God wants to, God doesn't want to do some minor adjustment. He wants to do radical transformation in our lives. Amen. I'm not talking about becoming some kind of spiritual freak that, 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 you know, that just acts a little goofy. You know, isn't it weird? You start talking about spiritual things and people start getting these weird pictures in their head. You know, and it's like some Hollywood horror movie and you're going to be the one that walks in and you're out of control. Now, I'm talking about walking in the victory that Jesus came to connect you to. You know, there is life. You know, Deuteronomy 30, 19. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. You know, it seems like a weird thing that God would have to throw the answer to a multiple choice test in there. Here's life. Here's death. Choose life. He doesn't call a son because we're bright. Okay. But the fact is, is that he's got real life right there in front of you. And then we go to church and we turn it into some weird thing. You know, sets of rules and we got hoops you jump through. And if it looks too easy, set the hoops on fire and raise them up a little bit and make it impossible to follow a rule. But we still don't get the result that God wants us to have. But when you start tapping into the God life, Zoe life that Jesus came to connect you to, not only does it attract the presence of God, it also attracts the attention of your adversary. And you have to be willing to fight for what God's going to give you. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist, even until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. The violent take it by force. The viol- you, you got to get a little bit violent to possess the promise that God has told you is yours. Just because God said you could have it, well, then God's going to give it to me. No, you're going to have to rise up and you're going to have to go get it. you got to take it. 
You, you know, you, there's a race that we're running in to win. You know, it's a, it's a battlefield. It, it's not a recreation room. It is a, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's opposition. There's confrontation. It takes some backbone to face the storm, to get the gold to carry that you were, you know, that you were created to carry. We can't just be sitting back and getting comfortable and hoping for a, you know, a, an easy time. Life is full of opposition. Full of challenge. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Through Him who loved us. Through Him. Through relationship with Him. you got to get just beyond the, well, I know that already stage. You know, I've heard that before. Really. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I know that one. I know that one by heart. But you gotta, you gotta get beyond that. You, you gotta read it and repeat it, right? You, you gotta, you, you gotta break the skin of that thing. You, you gotta, you gotta get down in there until that thing begins to speak out of you, and, and it's coming from you. And I am more than a conqueror. In all of the stuff, I'm more than a conqueror, Todd. Through Him who loves me, it's because of the love that He has for me. And that love is developed in great intimacy and relationship. And there's a warfare there. Okay? You have an enemy that, that, that wants to fight. And the fact of the matter is, is that your enemy has nothing to lose. So he don't ever play it safe. He doesn't sit back and, and, and hope some strategy works. No, he has perfected his, you know, strategy against the, you know, against truth. Well, I, I just, you know, I just don't want to get all that serious. Your enemy is all that serious. You know what's crazy is that we, we see the enemy uh, working in lives all around us and, and in, our, in our own. And, and, you know, there's opposition, there's, there's strategy. It's going on everywhere. And people don't want to look at it because, well, we don't want to get too weird. Can I just submit this thought to you that you can walk in victory, you can demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis, you can have what it takes to face any situation in life that comes your way through Christ who infuses you with an inner strength, and you don't have to be too strange to do it. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Three things the enemy wants to rip from your grip. Your future, your family, and your faith. Your future. Your future doesn't start five years from now. It starts five minutes from now. Your future is as you're walking out of the building. Is, you know, every decision you make, every step you take is leading you into your future. Some of us are under the impression that future, we got a while to figure that out. You know, it's kind of like a high school junior that thinks he, he doesn't need to be focused on his future. Thing of it is, is he plays three football games, throws, you know, a, a couple of weights up in the air, wakes up in the morning, and, and it's four years after college, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. You, you know, you got to get focused. you got to be alert. Time flying, man. Future. God, God came to give you a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans of a hope and a future. God, God's leading you into your future. Your future, the enemy wants to rip it from your grip. Your family, we'll talk about that in a minute. Your family is under attack. But, and your faith, your faith, what you believe and where you stand and, and what you're building your life upon, your, your, that faith is under attack. Our families are under attack. Let me ask you this question. How many of you today, by, by, by lifting your hand, how many of you have a part in a family? That's all of us. Okay, so 
family, you know, when the enemy attacks family, who's he, who's he going after? All of us. Now, when you've got a problem in your family, when, when there's chaos that's representing itself in your family, it's really not just your family. It's impacting all of us. Family is under attack. There is incredible strength in family. There's only two institutions that are ordained of God. One of them is church, and the other is family. Because you're part of a family, the devil don't like you. Because you're part of God's family. And what allows the enemy to produce his outcome in families, sometimes he's so simple, is, you know, it's as easy as our worldview, how we see things. What's a worldview? A worldview is, well, really, it's like a set of glasses that you look through that, that gives you the picture of what you see, how you see life and reality and how you relate to it. Uh, in the secular system worldview, there's two realms. There's a spiritual realm or, or an unseen realm, and then there's a worldly realm or a physical realm. And, uh, but in the secular system, because those things in the spiritual are hidden and unseen and, and different, we, we put those over there and, be, and we don't really th- believe that they impact daily life at all. And we build our entire life on what we can see, what we can feel, what we can touch, what we can smell, what we can measure, what we can test, what we can categorize, what we can identify. And all, and life becomes, you know, completely consumed in that one realm because we don't see that the two realms could commingle at all. They are uh, mutually exclusive. But a biblical worldview Sees the world and sees all these realms, sees both realms, but it sees them actually commingling, working together. And that that which is unseen is still impacting on a daily basis, that which is seen. And the spiritual realm has impact and influence over the natural realm. And we're in a system of, of education right now and in and, and our, and our uh, social circles that really anything spiritual, see, we, we make it so strange that, that people will be afraid of it. But the fact of the matter is, is it's really not all that strange. I don't think God is all that strange, but the Bible teaches us that God is a spirit and then that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if we can get you to live a carnal worldly life, a, 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 a life that's separated from the spirit. Then, then we already win the battle between separating you and God because you can't get to God on an earthly realm. You with me? There's a warfare. How, what does that do? Well, that opens the door for the enemy to come in and operate his strategy in your world. And there's nothing you can do about it because you are now going to ignore the spiritual realm. You're going to pretend like it doesn't impact life. Look at Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, brethren, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Uh, you might be under the impression that because we're under the new covenant and living in the New Testament that, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, I'm out from under the law. Well, there's a thousand fifty commandments in the New Testament alone. Here's one of them. What are you going to do with this? Be strong in the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. Be strong. If strength is a commandment, then weakness is a sin. So if we don't develop strength... We're living weak. If you're living weak, you're missing the mark. If you're missing the mark, you got sin to deal with. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Look at verse 11. 
and put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand up against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, the strategies, the schemes, the, it's like the devil's playground. How are you going to deal with what he is attempting to do in your life? Guys, he's real and he's messing with you. But you have great authority and power over him, but it don't do any good if you're pretending he don't exist. Then all kinds of stuff. And, and, and you know, I think sometimes we, we've seen, you know, too many weird movies that we think that if, if, that if there's a demonic force involved, that somebody's, you know, sitting up in bed and their head's spinning around on 360 degrees and voices are coming out of them. It, you know, the, the enemy, his strategy to influence your life doesn't always sound like a demon. You know... Some of the thoughts that you've had, they, they were demonically inspired thoughts. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sure that you think that you're way beyond that, but the reality is uh, that's, that's how he works. And, you know, when, when, when the enemy is messing with your head, he's being as subtle as he can. How, how easy to win this battle if all he has to do is make you think that you had a thought and that was your thought. I mean, think about it. Even, even with the guys traveling with uh, Jesus... When Peter, you know, and he, I think he, I think he loved Jesus. And, and when he heard of the end that was coming for Jesus, he said, don't do it. You know, you don't have to go to the cross. You can, you, you know, you, you can beat this thing. And what was Jesus' response? Get thee behind me, Satan. Wait a minute. Peter, can you imagine his hurt feelings at that moment? You just called me Satan, and I'm trying, because I love you, don't want you to go. But I think Jesus recognized that. That thought was inspired by the enemy to try to stop the plan of God. I think when the enemy is messing with you, and, and he's telling you to think that weird thought about your husband, or about your wife, or about your kids, it would be, it would be just be too obvious that he came up to you, and, and, and in your mind you heard, hate them. That'd be a little weird, wouldn't it? And some of you going, "What do you mean? That's what happens all the time." That's <laughs> just normal. That's my life. No, no, he, you know, he he injects those thoughts, and it's just like, God, what an idiot! You ever had that thought, Todd? Don't look at me when you when you're shaking your head. You're looking, you, you know, you know, we have to be alert to recognize the strategy of the enemy. Isaiah thirty two eighteen. My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. Well, just because God said that don't mean that you got a peaceful habitation. You have to fight for peace. How many of you saw the movie The Patriot? Okay, you, let, let, let me just lay this out here. Remember uh, Benjamin Martin? That's the that's the guy that Mel Gibson played, and he was a, a hero in the French and. In Indian War, uh, he's at home now. He's the single father of seven kids. He doesn't want to go uh, and get involved in the American Revolution at all. He, they, and remember the town meetings, and he'd get up and he'd walk out and no, I'm not going to fight, and you know I'm going to live at home with peace. And my kids, we're going to, we're just going to be at peace at my house. And then a British colonel swings by his house, uh, shoots one of the younger sons, takes his oldest son to be hung, uh, shoots the soldiers that were wounded that were hanging out on on uh, Martin's property, uh, burn 
burns their house and takes everything they want and, and, and rides off. And remember the scene where he's holding his son who's just died in his arms. He's watching his oldest son be taken away by, by the British. Uh, and he runs into a burning house, gathers up his weapons, and comes outside. And suddenly you know that he has come to a realization there is no choice. There is, there is no choice. We're going to fight. I'm here today to tell you, there is no choice. We're going to have to fight. To have the, the, the peaceful habitation that God promises, you've got to fight. There's not a choice. To, to lead your family into the, in, into the thanks of God, you're going to have to fight. It's not a choice. To be who God's called you to be, you're going to have to stand up, get, get your armor on, and fight. There is no choice. To have the financial freedom that God wants you to have, you're going to have to fight. To have the peace in your marriage that God wants you to have, you're going to have to fight. To, to, hello, are you, are you getting the point? We've got to fight. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, we've got to fight. Not necessarily with each other, not right now, but just hang in here. Okay, Ephesians Let's look at this in the Message Bible, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, I think. That about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. Now, guys, we could, we could stop right here and talk for quite a while. God is strong. How many glad that God is strong? Amen. How great is our God? And nothing, nothing, nothing is Bigger and stronger than our God. Nothing. Well, what one thing, think about it for just a minute. What one thing is bigger than God, meaner than the devil, and if you don't stop doing it, you'll never have victory. What one thing is bigger than God, meaner than the devil, and so many people do it, and it separates them from victory. What one thing? Well, let's answer this very difficult question. What one thing is bigger than God? Nothing. What's meaner than the devil? Nothing. And if you don't stop doing nothing, you ain't never going to walk in victory. God wants you strong. God wants you. If you want to be strong, it's the first of the year. We won't even ask, but how many of you have just signed up for a gym membership? You know, to, to develop that body, what do you got to do? You got to get in the gym. You got to work out. You, you got to build that muscle. If God wants you strong, you got to grow that thing. You got to work it out. You, you got you to apply some, some pressure. You, you, you got to, you know, you got to go for it. God's strong. He wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you. Don't overlook any spiritual tool that God's put in your hand. I think a lot of us, you know, we, well, I just don't want to fight. I have an attitude. The devil leaves me alone. I leave him alone. Then he's already defeated you. Take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials. Put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything. So you can stand up to everything the devil throws your way. He's going to throw some stuff. See, the fact is, just like Benjamin Martin, you can hide out in the house, but the enemy's still coming. You can say, I, I'm just going to be quiet and live in peace, but the enemy's still coming. You, you, can, you can act like, well, we got our stuff together. And you can get along pretty good, but one day, 
that strategy begins to unravel and, and, and be uncovered. You realize that, man, you haven't been prepared. You've got to be everything that's going to be thrown your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish, a fight to the finish against the devil and all of his uh, angels. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. Look at your neighbor and say, be prepared. Prepared. Made ready in advance. Ahead of the game. You do realize that you have this insane advantage. It's an insane advantage. No weapon formed against you can prosper, but every tongue that rises up against you, you can condemn, for this is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. You have this insane advantage, but it doesn't keep you off the battlefield. A huge advantage is worthless if you don't get in a race. You can have nitro and a V8 racing a dude on a bicycle, but if you don't pull up to the starting line, he's still going to pedal and win. Hello? You have an insane advantage. But you still have to engage in the race, in the fight. You, you can't just sit back and think that it's just going to come your way. It isn't, guys. We've got to be willing to fight. Well, that's for Pentecostals. No, that's for believers. I said that's for believers. You, you have to be willing to fight. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. You can't do this on your own. But with him, you can't lose. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. You'll still be standing there in truth and righteousness, peace and faith and salvation. Those are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them. You're going to need them. You're going to need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray hard and long. Pray. Prayer. Guys, prayer is vital. I know a lot of us, we, we only do that before a meal. So does that mean on a 21-day fast you have no need of prayer for 21 days? No, you gotta have this prayer life, man. You gotta be, you gotta be, uh, praying long and hard and covering it in the presence of God. Pray for your brothers and sisters and keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up. Man, keep the spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Keep your spirits up. Uh, it's hard and it's difficult and, and the devil's mean. Yeah, but we're gonna win this fight. We're gonna win this fight. Greater is he who's in me. And he who's in the world. If God be for me, who cares who's against me? Right? I got God, according to Psalms 118. The Lord is on my side. Not on my team. He's on my hip. He's right here, right next to me. On my side. Every step I take connected with Him. I can't be defeated. Why? Because you can't take out God. So I know I'm not going to be beat up. I'm not going to be destroyed. I'm not going to be, you know, broken. But I do know I am going to have to fight. I'm going to have to, you know, can I ask you a question? If your house is on fire and they're carrying your family off, do you run into the burning house, gather up your weapons and come out ready to fight? Or do you sit in the dust 
and say, this isn't fair. I've got to tell you, The Patriot would have been a much shorter movie if they just let him sit there in the dust and say, this isn't fair. I think it would have been about 22 minutes long. We'd, we'd have gone home, right? Think of the money we'd save. We wouldn't have had to eat all that popcorn. Sometimes life ain't fair. Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes the reality is, is sometimes the people that you think should have your back, you're stabbing it. What do we do with all the chaos, with all the confusion, with, 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 with stuff that shouldn't happen to good people? Well, we just can't sit in the dirt and cry and tell each other it's not fair. You gotta stand back up. You gotta get back on your feet. You gotta look to the hills from whence cometh our help. For the Lord is our salvation. You know, we gotta get our eyes back on God. We gotta act like believers. Man, this, this comfort and ease addiction that we have, we gotta break it. Maybe that's what the 21 day fast can help you do. Can help you break the addiction of serving yourself. You know, it is supposed to be God's plan for my life. Not me telling God what I want Him to do in my life. Maybe, maybe if we understood that a lot of the warfare that we end up in, that we, we just can't seem to win, maybe it's because we're fighting the wrong battles. Maybe if we would receive our orders of the Lord. I think the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I don't think that means that God comes alongside you and allows you to go anywhere you want. To do anything you want for as long as you want, the way you want, so that you get happy. I think that the steps of a good man are ordered of God. And that we ought to be people that include God every day in the decisions that we're making. Is it possible that we've spent a lot of time, so much time, living life on our own and hoping that God would cover it, that God would bless it, that we have become so, uh, you know, blinded to the fact that we have lived life without God? Think about it. You know, if you're not praying and, and spending time in prayer and talking to God about decisions you're making, what the statement that you're making is that, I got this. I don't need you. Now, we call ourselves believers. We call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Christ. We call ourselves all kinds of great terms. But the fact of the matter is, if God's not participating in our life, if we haven't opened the door for his involvement, what good is it? I think we've got to get back to the place where we're in intimate relationship with God. Where we're talking to God on a daily basis, where we're opening the door. Revelations 3.20 is not a scripture that was written to a group of sinners. It was written to a church. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him, sup with him, and he with me. Hearing the voice of God and responding, you know, it's that obedience that opens the door for God's participation in our lives. When we, when we take time and say, you know what, I'm ready, God. I'm ready for you to come into my life. I'm ready to have fellowship with you. I want your direction, your insight, your guidance in my life. I don't want to discourage you from attending services, but I do want to educate you that attending church services all by itself just ain't enough. I know people who have been in church every day 
the doors were open 40, 50 years. There's still bitter, angry people that you wouldn't want to spend a whole lot of time with. Hello? We, we know all kinds of church people. It's just not enough. It, now, we, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be in church. No, it, just hear my heart. The, the, the reality is, though, is that it, it's possible, isn't it, that maybe we've missed a little something, something. That we've, we've come to church, we've sang the songs, we've given the money, we've done all but But still, what's the deal? Well, I'm happy with what I've got. You're getting your hiney handed to you on a daily basis. You're happy with that? No, I want to walk in the victory that God said that I could walk in. I want to have the ability to demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis. I want, like Paul, to be able to say I'm ready for and equal to anything that comes my way through Christ, who is infusing me with an inner strength. I want to recognize the schemes of the enemy before they are mature and producing fruit in my life and in my home and in in my church and in my community. I want to have the ability to be prepared to say that that is not of God. So we're going to drive that out and we're going to make sure that we produce an end result that is just covered with the fingerprints of God. It wasn't too long ago I was sitting at just praying over the year and getting ready and looking at stuff. And, you know, and we had so many great things happen last year in the church and in our home, too. But uh, we also had a few things occur that we probably wish hadn't. You know, any of you been there? One or two little things. Have you got kids? Yep. There's one or two things happened that you wish hadn't. And how, how did that happen? Where did that attitude come from? And where, and really, you know, we're blessed, got great kids and our kids have come through stuff and they're getting stronger and they're, they're, they're doing great. But I was just looking, just praying to God and just asking God, you know, uh, talking to God, you know, where, where do these things come from? You know, I mean, good Lord, could they be any more blessed? I mean, look who they got for a dad. <laughs> And then their mother, she's perfect. I'm serious. You know, Mother Teresa used to get advice from Shelby. You know, it's, it's awesome. You know, it, it, you know where, where in the world, where, where in the world did these attitudes come from? And then it hit me. Oh, yeah, they hang out with you guys. No, that's not it. You know, I kept trying to find some, you know, some, some place where I could, where I could put this thing, you know, and just, and, and, and I could tell that God was wanting to talk to me about it. What's funny is I wasn't really wanting to talk to him about it because I think I kind of knew already. What is going on? Where do these things come from? How do these attitudes get in? Oh, it's the school system. Well, wait a minute. I thought no weapon formed against us could prosper. I don't want to give it more credit than it looks like, but it looks like it's prospering. These attitudes, man, where are they coming from? This stuff that I know is not of God. God, how did this get in here? And God said, it's you. Not, not you, you. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean, me? Well, you're the head of your house. You know, you're supposed to be alert to spiritual strategies. But there's areas of your life, Tom. Where you've got lukewarm. No, no, you gotta be talking about Shelby. No, he's talking to me. Areas of my life where I'm lukewarm? I'm thinking, where? Show me. And the wrong thing to say. Anytime God says, you got an area and you're lukewarm, just say, okay. Thanks. And just, you know, and I'm thinking, you're kidding. And then he begins to open my eyes and show me areas of my life where, you know what? The fact of the matter is, 
You got certain victories going on over here. And, and so you've just relaxed this area of your life. You're, you're not you're not pressing in like you used to press in. You're, you're allowing things that you would have never allowed before. You, you're you're uh, participating in, through silence. You know, anytime you don't say something, all of a sudden that means you're in agreement. Hello? You know, if you don't speak up, then you're in agreement with all these other voices. God began to show me that if I would rise back up and be who God called me to be and lead my home, my family, that the many doors would be closed to the enemy. See, the Bible does say give no place to the enemy. The word place is position of effectual opportunity. Here, let me come at it from this point. The enemy doesn't have an opportunity to be effective unless a door has been opened to him. Right? Unless the door has been opened to him. I think, and, and uh, you know, and if you're sitting there today and you're thinking, well, we don't have a, a, a you know, a man in the house. That's, that's not, the point isn't, uh, the point of leadership is that anybody can rise up and take their authority. Okay? Take, take your authority, stand in your position. But here's the deal. Even Proverbs 4, 20. My son. Hearken unto my sayings, listen to my words, for they are life to those that find them, health to all their flesh. See, I think life and health are determined, life and health in the family are often determined by the condition of the person leading that, that family. My son, hearken unto my voice, listen to my words, let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, and health to all their flesh. That God's talking to, to us men, hello men, God's talking to us, telling us that, hey, your spiritual condition impacts more than you alone. I think God's looking at the church, and we need to realize that our spiritual attitude impacts more than just our congregation. I think the condition of our city is impacted greatly. By the condition of the congregations within that city. And that when our heart is right and our eyes are open and we're in the right position, we have the ability to hold the enemy back from being able to operate his scheme outside our walls, but in the streets of our cities. And I believe that if we don't rise up and be who God's called us to be, we're going to stand before God and give an account to all that has been done. And in talking to God, he began to show me that there's areas of my own life where, where I'm just relaxing and I'm just getting comfortable. And the enemy's sneaking in and he's messing with members of my house that he couldn't get to if I'd stand right. Now, I don't like it. I want it to be your fault. I want everything to be your fault. But in my life, in my world, it ain't your fault. I guess I'm going to have to get a backbone. Guess I'm going to have to stand up. Guess I'm going to have to be the spiritual leader of my home. Guess I'm going to have to get ruthless. Because I have an enemy who has nothing to lose, and he is ruthless. And he's messing with members of your family that don't need to be messed with. He, he's messing with, with things in your life and in your community and in your world that don't need to be messed with, that we could put an end to. And I think that's what God is calling us to do. That in this coming year, as we believe God for strength for families, that we also 
recognize the fact that we're going to have to get off the couch, go to war. That might mean becoming spiritually alive. Can I give you three things that will really help you? Position yourself to demonstrate Satan's defeat. You ready? Three hard things, but you can do it. One, hide God's word in your heart. Individually, hide God's word in your heart. Just go after the word of God. Get the word of God. Put it in your heart. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, light to my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not wander off the trail, that I won't miss the mark, that I don't sin. I've got to hide God's word in my heart. You've got to get something inside of you. you. You know, isn't it crazy? You send the kids and, and they go off to a movie and they, and they watch that movie and, and, and two hours later you pick them up and they get in the car and, and they're quoting lines from that movie and for weeks they can, they can quote that movie. That movie has changed them. And, and, and you've know, you got to be careful what movie you're sending the kids to because those words are getting in their heart. Two hours, don't tell me I can't memorize scripture. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You, you find the one that's going to save your bacon, you can memorize it. Okay? You, you can get her down. Uh, hide God's word in your heart. Number two, do devotions with your home. In your home. Do devotions with your family. Pray. I'm not, I'm not telling you that you gotta get up, you know, three hours early every day of the week before you go to work. You gotta break out the Bible, have a Bible study. It can be in the car on the way to school. It can be a scripture that you put on a piece of paper and hang it on the front door and on the back door so that whether they're coming in or going out, they're seeing that, thinking about that today. And you've said something. Do something with your family to bring the spiritual awareness to a point where there's, where it has a pulse. Just needs a pulse. Just needs a pulse. Just needs a pulse. Just needs a pulse. Why? Because, you know, life, it'll grow. It'll, it'll just grow. But just do something with your home, with your family. And number three, be accountable to community. Get in a home team. Get in a Bible study group. Once a week, outside of a Sunday service, okay? Find someone who you can share. Okay, even the 21-day fast, this is what I'm fasting, and they can ask you every time. You know, I'm doing the Daniel fast. No breads, no sugars, no caffeine. Pray for me. Okay, no caffeine? You better be praying for me. Okay. Uh, so every time I walk by something and look at it, Shelly says, is that part of the Daniel fast? You know, the, the kids will ask me, are you supposed to be having that? And they'll come in and they'll take it out of my hand and eat it themselves. You know, uh, <laughs> be accountable. Spiritual growth does not occur because you sit in a chair for an hour and a half on Sunday or Saturday. Spiritual growth really happens when we get accountable and we start forcing ourselves to grow. Guys, you want to close the door to the enemy? There's three easy steps that will position you to begin to win. If you're already doing those things, how about you increase them? How about you take somebody alongside of you that's never done them before and show them how? How, how about you find a way to make that growth occur? Amen? Because you either got to grow or you got to go. Because we're believing God for so many big things that growth is demanded. Amen? 
Will you close your book? Bow your head. Let me pray for you.